from the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas. This is an episode of Vital News, an edition of Veterinary Vitals that focuses on current news in the Texas veterinary profession. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Today on Vital News, I speak with the Director of Government Relations and General Counsel of TVMA, Elizabeth Schote, J.D., about the outcome of the most recent legislative session. The J.D., after her name, stands for Juris Doctor, which is the degree she earned at Texas Southern University Thurgood Marshall School of Law. There are three new bills that we were able to pass, and one of them in particular I find very interesting. House Bill 2850 basically allows veterinarians to refute false claims made online, such as false reviews. I had no idea this was an issue, but now that I think about it, people are really passionate about their pets, and I can imagine the extremes that they could go to if they feel they've been mistreated. It's so easy to lie on the internet, and previously, veterinarians could face a $500 fine from the state board schedule of sanctions for responding to these postings. It makes me wonder how veterinarians could maintain their good reputation at all when they're unable to address false claims or accusations. Thankfully, this bill has a solution for that. Listen in as I pick Elizabeth Schott's brain a little bit. So, Elizabeth, tell me what it is you do for TVMA. Well, half of my job is the legislative piece, and that means that I monitor the Texas legislature and all of the administrative state agencies that might touch veterinary medicine. TVMA decides our members decide what our legislative agenda is going to be, and then I work to make that legislative agenda a reality. Um, at the same time, whenever other bill, other legislators file and try to pass legislation, I watch out to make sure that that doesn't negatively impact veterinarians and make sure that all along the entire process, veterinarians have their say. Um, that is a lot, there's a lot of relationship development involved in that you know, creating those relationships between legislators and their own individual veterinarians so that any time a issue comes up in the state legislature or beyond, that those individuals who make the decisions know who to contact. They should ideally contact TVMA or they should contact their veterinarian who will contact us so that we can make sure to look out for the veterinary profession. So the other piece of that is general counsel. Um, I answer the legal questions of the veterinary, veterinary profession. I work to keep veterinarians out of trouble. Um, I take question, any kind of legal question that they might have that is you know, generally related to their practice. It could be anything from, somebody left this dog in my practice and won't come pick it up, what do I do, to, you know, I've got this radiation machine and I'm not sure how to appropriately register it with the state. So I, I field those kinds of questions. So, Anything that comes up, we want to be your resource, and that is a big part of my job. As general counsel, I work to keep veterinarians out of trouble. My goal is that if a veterinarian has an issue that they need solved, that they shouldn't have to take time out of their day and pour through administrative code and try to figure out what it is they're supposed to be doing. 
Ideally, they can just call a TVMA, call our regulatory hotline, and we will give them an answer. And if we don't have the answer, we'll get them an answer. Um, veterinarians don't have time to be digging through code when they should be practicing medicine. And that's a big part of my role here at TVMA. Also, I help take care of the Veterinary Political Action Committee, keeping those relationships between legislators and veterinarians alive, um, making sure that we spend our PAC funds wisely under the guidance of our board, our PAC board, and um, making sure those funds go to help veterinarians expand their political influence in Austin. Okay, so you're getting lots of calls and lots of questions from members. What would you say are some of the most common questions that you get? I think it kind of depends on what's going on. So here lately, I would say it's been continuing education related. Um, what's the board doing with my continuing education? And, and the answer to that, and that's a common question, is simple. The, the board is not requiring continuing education hours as long as we're under a, a state of disaster. Now, that state of disaster will probably end at any time now. I'm sure there'll be a short grace period, and then veterinarians will be required to obtain CE once again. Another thing that we're monitoring, the state board has proposed some rules that would eliminate all in-person CE requirements. Remember, right now you're required to have seven hours of in-person CE. There's a rule under up for proposal that says that would eliminate that distinction between CE that is obtained electronically and in-person. And um, we're looking at that very closely. And we're not sure what the board will do, but they're likely to pass it. So that's just another one of those things, you know, watching state agencies to see what they do and then relay that information to the membership. I also get some travel-related questions from time to time. As I said earlier, I get that question that somebody abandoned an animal in my practice or I'm having an employee issue. Um, what can you, can you give me some general advice kinds of things? Um, just really, I, I'm always amazed by some of the fascinating questions I get. I don't always have the answer. Certainly, we, we, we have to do some research sometimes here at TVMA, but we struggle, we strive to find the right answer. TVMA has an online veterinary legal center for our practitioners' use, and any member can access it. You just log in, and you might find a lot of answers to common questions that we do get here at the office. Um, and if you don't see your answer, an answer to your question on that, you are absolutely welcome to give me a call. I'm happy to help. And we try to continually update that and put new information out there and, and update things update it as things change. Because remember, you know, somebody has to be watching out for those state agencies that touch veterinary medicine. They're always coming up with new rules and regulations, and sometimes they may not anticipate how their little rule change might impact veterinarians, and that's what we're there to watch out for, is to make sure that the veterinary voice is always presented to state agencies and in Austin. That's awesome. I love that we have a place for members to go and look for credible answers to their questions. Okay, so the 87th legislative session for TVMA just came to a close. Can you tell me a little bit about our successes and the bills that were passed? Sure. Um, it's, it was a very, very unique legislative session because of, you know, obviously COVID-19. And then we had a big winter storm, URI, that kind of threw everything into disarray. It's probably the most unique session I've ever had 
the opportunity to participate in. But you know, we started off thinking we wouldn't get anything done because of the uniqueness and, and the difficulties involved surrounding COVID. But we actually had a pretty good legislative session. We started off with about five bills that our board of directors and government relations committee decided were legislative priorities for us. And we passed three of those. And, and that's pretty good considering the session and the fact that um, it is much more difficult to pass legislation in the state of Texas than it is to kill legislation because the legislative session is only 140 days long and it's really set up to make sure that not a lot gets done just in its, its function. So we passed three pieces of legislation that we think will be impactful. Okay, and how did House Bill 2850 come about? That's an interesting one because it started off last session as a very, very different bill. Um, it was carried by Representative Cassell again, and it just related to liability of veterinarians during a hurricane or man-made or natural disaster. And it came about because um, a veterinarian, a couple veterinarians were sued as a result of their volunteer work during Hurricane Harvey. Um, veterinarians are mostly protected in these scenarios, though it is always a hassle to get a lawsuit dismissed. Um, but their people working under their supervision might not be protected, might not be covered by insurance because um, they're not actually employees oftentimes. And so what that bill did was put all the emergency provisions in one place instead of being scattered all over the code. We had another bill last session that would have altered veterinary confidentiality provisions significantly. And at the end, whenever it looked like that bill wasn't going to pass, we amended one bill into the other, um, which the bill then, then went on to pass the House and died in the Senate. So this last session, we came back with that amended bill with everything in it, all the veterinary liability and confidentiality provisions, and passed it as one standalone big piece of legislation. And... Um, we're, we're pretty proud of that one. We feel that some of those confidentiality provisions were long overdue for changing, and we think that's going to go a long way to allowing practitioners to respond to online bullying um, in the manner that they feel most appropriate. Okay, so does this go into effect on September 1st of this year, 2021? It does, and so we'll be looking out to see if the state board decides to propose and pass any rules to implement that legislation. So anytime something passes the legislature and directs the state agency to do something or changes the code in some way, sometimes agencies go and make rules to help clarify or implement that legislation. And so anytime a state agency is going to make rules and regulations, we need to watch out and be heavily involved in that process. We don't know if the state board will take that action or not, but it certainly um, impacts the function of the state board because there's, there's certain things that were formerly illegal for veterinarians to do that are no longer illegal for veterinarians to do, like provide information to refute false claims that are posted on the internet. How about House Bill 1259? How did that come about? Well, interestingly enough, that bill or, or that program has existed for a long time in statute. Though it has been defunct, it was never actually created because it was never actually funded. And it was drafted in such a narrow way that it was never actually going to receive legislative funding because it, it was very out of date. And so what House Bill 1259 did was it updates and modernizes that rural veterinary loan repayment incentive program to bring it in line with modern practice, allow participation by more doctors, and to help us get funding for it in the future. 
every profession has some kind of rural loan repayment program and they help solve the same problem, um, the lack of professionals in rural areas. And if we could just help our veterinarians get into those rural areas and lay down those roots, we believe it would help solve that shortage that shortage issue that we have. It's not the magic bullet. There are many solutions to take a bite out of this problem, but that is one of them. And we really want to help our recent graduates who are coming out with these high debt loads to make the decision to go into the type of practice that they is most appropriate for them and to give them that choice. If they want to go into food animal medicine, they should go into food animal medicine and, and shouldn't you know, be restricted from their dream due to the fact they might have a large amount of student loan debt. Gotcha. Yeah, and we do actually have a lot of rural job listings on the TVMA Classifieds page. Um, you can find the job board on our website at tvma.org, and you can search by region instead of by city. Just a little plug there. <laughs> So we obviously pass new legislation that's in the best interest of Texas veterinarians, but we also work to prevent harmful legislation from passing. Have you seen any recently that would have been harmful if passed? Um, well, there's always a few every session, right? Whenever there's a, a bill filed that we don't like, we always go and talk to the bill author and try to make changes. Um, before we just declare war and, and start killing legislation. And that way, that's how we maintain our relationships. So this session hasn't been, there have been some real stinkers in past sessions. I'd say there's, there was a few stinkers this time around, but, but we didn't have big, major, knockdown, drag-out fights that we have had in the past. One of the bills that would have negatively impacted veterinarians is the fact that they would have been made to collect sales tax on veterinary services. Right now, they're veterinarians do not have to charge sales tax on their services, but this bill would have eliminated that sales tax exemption. Um, to seek a property tax cut, it would have eliminated a lot of sales tax exemptions. But we know that that would make the cost of care rise dramatically. And though we might all want a property tax cut at the end of the day, just because they cut taxes in one session, that's no guarantee that the next session they're not going to come back and they're going to creep back up. At the same time, veterinarians are forced to be tax collectors for the state, um, collecting higher taxes from office sales tax from their clients and then turning around and dispensing that money to the state. And, and that's not where the profession wants to be, and so we were happily able to oppose that bill. There were also some bills that related to some mandatory animal cruelty reporting, which obviously we believe that veterinarians should always be encouraged to report suspected animal cruelty. But if you, the bill was drafted in such a way that it would have made, put veterinarians in a very difficult spot of attempting to interpret a very, very broad criminal statute. And if they interpret it incorrectly, then it's their license is on the line. And we just didn't think that was appropriate. So, um, you know, we want to help veterinarians in animal cruelty scenarios, but we don't need more government mandates to do that. Have you started looking into any new legislation for next session? Well, um, I believe our government relations committee has started some discussions on that. And um, I certainly want to help them along with that. 
I know that funding for rural veterinary loan repayment program is going to be a priority. Uh, what our other priorities will be will be decided as we go along. I, I think we'll want to take another bite at some of those bills that didn't pass last session. I, I think it really irks a lot of doctors whenever they write a prescription to a pharmacy and the pharmacist demands their DEA number for, say, an antibiotic. Um, that is a practice that we're seeing a lot of, and it shouldn't be happening, and we'd like to stop it. Um, I, I suspect there's a lot more coming down the road, but I don't want to speak out of turn. I, I take my direction from the veterinarians of the state, and as they decide what those issues are, that's, that's where I get my marching orders. I see. Well, I'm sure a lot of veterinarians have thoughts and opinions on some of these topics. So how can members get involved in the legislative process? Oh, that's a great question. So I would say join a committee. Um, we obviously have the Government Relations Committee, but there, whatever your interest is at TVMA, whatever your practice type, we have a committee for that. If you are interested in equine medicine, we have an equine practice committee. If you are interested in shelter medicine, join the shelter committee. Um, and that way you get to see the legislation during the session that impacts your segment of the profession and help make the decision about what TVMA should do about that legislation. Should we support? Should we oppose? Should we actively support? Should we actively oppose? Should we stay out of it? You know, these are the questions that we need to ask. What, what should we do to change this legislation? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Um, also, I would say, you know, develop a relationship with your local representative or senator at the state level. I am always looking for these relationships, and you might not even know that you have them. Maybe you go to church with the local representative. Maybe your kids play soccer together. Whatever it is, those relationships are extremely important. Maybe you see their animals. My first question every time I meet a legislator now is, who's your veterinarian? Because I know that if they know that person's name, we're really in business at that point because they legislators would much rather hear from an involved constituent who works in the community, maybe owns a business in the community, or whatever it is, then they would rather, then they wouldn't want to hear from a lobbyist. And so that's where your voice makes a difference. Whenever we reach out and ask for something, we'll say, please call your legislator and we'll give you some talking points. We hope that you'll act on that because your voice is so incredibly important. That legislator may not have even known about the issue before you reached out. And but you talk to their staff, you made a call to that district from home, that makes a huge difference. And that is how you could participate. Also, we have veterinary legislative and lobby days at the Capitol that we want you to come up for. Um, also, I, would, I should mention VPAC's matching program. If ever you make a political contribution to an elected official or a candidate for state elected office, we want to know about it. Email me, tell me, request a match from the Veterinary Political Action Committee. That way, if VPAC matches that contribution, then we amplify your voice. A lot of times we'll facilitate a way for you to give that individual that check so that they associate somebody who supports them in their campaign with an actual doctor of veterinary medicine. Well, Liz, thank you for joining me today. I'm sure we'll hear you on Vital News again in the future. 
If you have any legal questions for Elizabeth Schott, you can email her at eschott at tvma.org. That's E-C-H-O-A-T-E at T-V-M-A dot O-R-G. But of course, don't forget to check out the Legal Center first to see if your question has already been answered. That can be found at tvma.org. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a colleague and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A like, a share, a retweet, these are all great ways you can support TVMA that won't cost you a dime. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Thanks for listening.